Good evening, church. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name is Colin, the pulpit minister here at Central Church of Christ. And this is Dan Spade. He's one of our elders. And here at Central Church of Christ, it's our mission to be God's heart and hands in this community and beyond. If you'd like to learn more about what that means, I want to encourage you to head over to our website at www.churchvictoria.com. This is our Wednesday evening conversation through the law and the prophets where we open up the Old Testament. We move through the narrative and the text and we see how it impacts us today as the church and how it how that text connects to Jesus. Um, if you're listening Listening to this on the Heart and Heads podcast. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed to the channel and you have the bell turned on so you get notified every time we upload a video. And if you're watching this on Facebook, make sure to like and share. That really helps us out. And make sure to comment down below. Um, if this ministry has blessed you or you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, I want, I want to encourage you to head over to that website. At the top of the page, we have a donate button that uh, take, will take you to PayPal, and you can partner with us as we seek to teach and preach the gospel. Uh, we're going to pray and get into the lesson. Again, church, thank you so much for joining us. We're running. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for another opportunity for us to sit down together and to and to talk about your word. We're so grateful for the word, the power of it, and the and the and that we have it, Father. And we just pray your blessings upon us as we do this this morning. We pray, Father, that that the folks that are listening to this will will learn and grow, and that they'll get better. And we pray, Father, that you be with each one of them as they as they navigate through. And we pray, Father, that uh, that the message of this of this podcast will get out, and people will will really take advantage of what's going on here and and how much uh, insight that that we're trying to to clear up here. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity. Bless us. Thank you for your son. We thank you so much for for his relationship with us and the opportunity we have to have a relationship with you because of him. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So we're going to be in Numbers 22. 22 this morning. And, you know, it's it's not just Numbers 22. The, The story of Balaam. Uh, it's numbers twenty two and numbers twenty three. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's quite yep. a bit here. There's yeah, it, you know, it takes and, two and twenty four. Is it is it twenty four? Yeah, it and goes all the way through uh, all the way through twenty. So we're going to be twenty two. We're going to be doing three chapters here. So you're going to be sick of hearing about Balaam after a while, guys. Yeah, it extends all the way into twenty four. You're right. And there's yeah. a lot of stuff here. Well, too. and then twenty five. So this, so this is this is a really interesting dynamic. I know, and you know, for a lot of people, Balaam is a very confusing topic, um, and and with good reason because we're stepping in. So 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 much of Israel's conflict, what we see with Israel's struggle, we see it from a uh, temporal perspective. We see it from a, a flesh and blood perspective. You know, they go to these nations, they get afraid of these nations, they run away, they get they wander for 38 years, and they come back and they start defeating these nations. And we look at it from that perspective. But in reality, the entire thing is a, is spiritual warfare. Numbers is all spiritual warfare. Um, even the the fighting, the fighting with Sion and Og and the nations, that's all spiritual warfare. Because each of these nations had their own patron gods or goddesses, their own pantheons. And so much of what's going on is, do the Israelites believe that their god can deliver them from these nations? Is their god truly superior to all these other gods? You would think that after Egypt, they would know the answer to that question. But they doubt it. They constantly doubt it. They constantly don't trust God. And so really what we're seeing with Balaam's story is that spiritual warfare come to the forefront. One of the things that came up in class, uh, because this is Thursday morning recording this, and and Wednesday came up in class was uh, was about uh, God forgiving us and accepting us back. And I said, if you listen to our podcast, we've been we've been pounding on this ad nauseum. 
about the the rebellion that that Israel has gone through yeah. over and over and over and over, and and we've talked about Cole and I've talked about why doesn't God just just garbage can them, you know? Sure. Well, just just deal because God's not like that because God loves and he, these are His children these are His people and uh, and and love is patient and and it is patient <laughs> and and He's and He is the epitome of of the of the the mirror of what that text in First Corinthians says. You know, love is patient. God said, I am love. Well, you want to know, learn what love is? What, look at what God has done all through the all through the Old Testament and the New Testament. What has he done? Why does he send Jesus? Why does why does uh, why does Elijah come on the scene? Why does Jeremiah come? Why does he, because God loves his people. And he wants them to be right, wants them to do right. He's going to give them every opportunity. We talked last week about, you know, having free will, that, you know, and and uh, and. You know, God has given us every opportunity to make right choices. I won't have any choices to make like that in heaven. I won't, because there won't be any. There won't be any negativity there. There won't be anything negative because God is taking care of that now. He's given me a relationship with Him that I don't deserve. They have no business claiming. And and if I if I stumble and fall, He's going to be there for me to pick me up. And he's done that with these nation of with this nation of Israel over and over and over. Why would we think that he's not going to do it again? So when he says there's no more sacrifice for sin and and you're doomed in the well, Hebrew writer in the Hebrew, in the Hebrew and you've got it. You've got to ask yourself, okay, what's he what's he talking about? Sure. It's a different context. Yeah, there must be something different because if it isn't, it negates the whole rest of the book. The well, book's all garbage if it does. And and you're teaching Hebrews when mm-hmm. you're starting with Hebrews. Did yep. you start last night? I started the introduction last okay. night. So they're going to find out pretty quick that, you know, the, the recipients to Hebrews, the people who received that letter and who he's talking to are, are Jews yeah. who are thinking about walking away from the faith. Yeah. And so when when the writer says, you know, hey, look, there's no sacrifice. I mean, let's let's just explain this real quick, right? Um, when the writer says that there is no sacrifice for sin remaining, what he's talking about is if you go back to Judaism, there's nothing there anymore. Yeah. Judaism yeah. is kaput. It's yeah. done. It's complete. Yeah. And it... It'll be even more apparent in 70 AD when Titus comes in and destroys yep. the, the temple. Yep. And this is exactly what Jesus was warning about in Matthew 24 and Luke 21 and, and Gospel Mark as well, where he says, you know, hey, let the, when the abomination of desolation comes, we're not talking about some future date here. No, it, He's yep. talking about, He's talking about well, it's future for them, yeah. but it's, it's for us, it's an event that's already occurred. And in if you look at the, what the, at the, what the, what the time frame of the, of the writing of that letter is, it's between 65, 66 and 69, somewhere in that area, because it has to be before the destruction of Jerusalem, because mm-hmm. this, the Levitical priesthood and the sacrificial system is still in Play. Right. It's still so, there. I mean, in, in a very real sense, look, the last time the temple was destroyed, it was because the Jews broke the covenant and God was done and he threw them out. Now, there was a promise of a remnant return. Well, that promise already took place. Yeah. God did that. And the next promise they were looking forward to was the Messiah. And that was Jesus. And he came. So at that point, the covenant at Sinai, the covenant that these people made, that these people are are just starting out with, is complete. We have the completed covenant of Sinai. I'm not a member of the covenant of Sinai. You're not a member. Nobody alive today is a member of that covenant because that covenant has been completed. Jesus said, you know, not a jot or a tittle will pass from law until everything is complete. Guess what? At the cross, it was complete. He did it. He secured 
the thing that the covenant at Sinai was supposed to bring about, That's right. which was the redemption of the Gentiles, yeah. the redemption of the ten tribes still exiled, the, the, the redemption the of the Jewish people. The implementation of the covenant where he says, I'll not only forgive them, but I'll forget them. This is the new covenant. Jesus says this in the upper room. Yep. It's the new covenant yep. in my blood. Mm-hmm. Both, uh, well, all of the prophets, Isaiah, yep. Jeremiah, yep. Ezekiel, Daniel, they all predicted that coming. It came to fruition. It's done. Go read Luke 24 and the Emmaus Road. Yep. Yep. These are the things that Jesus was sent to do. And then, and then here we have... The nation of Israel again. God's going to bless them again. You know, He's going to He's going to He's going to handcuff this guy, despite know? the fact that they are a rebellious, wicked, evil nation. I mean, yeah. look, the bronze snake was not that long ago. No, no. You know, and it's not. We're not done with rebellion either, because this guy's going to do some stuff that's going to cause Israel to sin. Yeah. And God's still going. Why? Because this is the beginning of Him working things out to bring Jesus, and that's what He's got His eyes on. Yeah. That's what He's looking See, forward we, to. We get tunnel vision. Oh, yeah. In everything we do, oh, yeah. everything, you know, we get tunnel vision with our kids. We get tunnel vision in our job. We get tunnel vision in our, in our health, everything. We get tunnel vision like this. And we're looking like through a peephole. And God do- doesn't do that. People, yeah. He doesn't do that. No. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He got the door wide open looking at the whole panorama. But he understands what it's like to look through the people. Yeah, he does. That's, yeah. you know, that's, yeah. uh, what is that, uh, Hebrews 4, where he's, you know, he's sitting here looking at this. And, and Christ suffered in the same way that we did. He yeah. suffered the temptation 14, 15, of sin 16, and everything. Yeah. You know, just as we did. He's a high priest who can understand yeah. our such small, yeah. limited vision. Yeah. And Balaam's story is a good example of that. Yeah, because it is. people totally jettison the spiritual. That's why, That's why. especially, I, would, I hate to say, you know, conservative and liberal. I hate to put it in that terminology, but that's the terminology we understand. Especially, I would say, more conservative Christians who take a dim view, or Christians who take, I don't want to say conservative, but Christians who take a dim view of the spiritual world and the impact of that, Balaam's story makes us very uncomfortable. Yeah. Because it... it they, don't know how to, they don't know how to explain it. Well, they don't know how to explain it. And I would say it challenges preconceptions that we have that the Bible did well, not let's get into us. And let's get let's into it. it. Let's get into right. it. So this is numbers, we're numbers 22. Uh, 22. Sorry, I'm already looking at 23. All right, uh, numbers 22. Now remember, they just defeated the Amorite kings, Sihon and Og. Mm-hmm. In the midst of rebellion, God gave them victory in this In a war. land that he had not promised them. And he gave them the land of these guys. Yeah. And it was, it was not part of the promise. That then. was not part of the promise. No. no. Okay, no. so... Let's let's keep that into perspective, right? And so then the Israelites traveled to the plains of Moab and ca- camped acro- along the Jordan across from Jericho. So they're on the other side of the Jordan. They're on the other side. The promised land is... On the other side. On the other side, but God's given them this land as well. Now Moab is on that land, is on the other side as well, right? And they're, they're camped out across from it. Now God has already told them you can't have Moab. Now, we'll get into that in Deuteronomy. We'll yeah. get into yeah. the God who is over the nations, and he sets their boundaries. This yeah. is Acts 17 as well. We'll get into that there, and we'll talk about it. But God is not giving them Moab. Yeah. He's not giving them Edom. God has said, no, these are your brothers. You can't have these. Yeah. Okay. Because remember, Moab is a descendant from Lot. And, okay. uh, and Edom is a descendant from Esau. Is a descendant from Esau. And, and yeah. he, promised, he promised them they would have their own lands. That's right. He did. Yeah. Absolutely. So, if you don't think God was worshipped by other cultures, by other people groups, you're wrong. He absolutely was. Edom, you don't think Esau took knowledge of God and taught his descendants? We know he did. We know he did. Abraham had a lot of sons. Do you think he only taught Israel? You think he only taught Jacob and that he that Jacob only taught You get into places where it makes people really uncomfortable. Well congratulations. This is a really uncomfortable (laughs) section. Archaeologically speaking, by the way. When you study the book the right way, 
It'll make you uncomfortable because it takes all your preconceived ideas and just, just I mean, it shoots buckshot through them. So archaeological, first of all, there's nowhere in the Bible that says Abraham passed on the religion of Yahweh, the, the faith of Yahweh, only to one son, only to Isaac. It doesn't say that anywhere in the book. That's a preconceived well, notion. Well, that wouldn't make any get. sense. No, it wouldn't. It's What's more likely is Abraham taught all his sons about Yahweh and sent them, sent, and they went all over the world. Why? Well, because God wants all people. He doesn't want just Israel. He's going to bring the Messiah through Israel, but he wants all people. This is the claim that Paul makes in Acts chapter 17. I mean, you you, you don't think that he that he even he even uh uh he even taught Ishmael. Oh yeah, I know he taught Ishmael. And and they went off they went off track, but but it was still that he taught Dan, them. Dan, we have we have God reaching out to Hagar and Ishmael recorded in the scriptures. Yeah, we do. When Abraham failed and did that dirty, rotten, nasty thing, took the advice of his wife, and and I, you know, I, I, I my personal opinion is they worked that one out together. But it doesn't. It's <laughs> that's not explicitly stated in the text. Sarah's the one who comes up with the idea. Abraham goes for it, right? And this is a repeat of the garden narrative. Abraham listens to the voice of his wife. He takes Hagar. He does this dirty, rotting, nasty thing, and then they abuse her and they kick her out. And God comes to her. And one of the names of God that we have comes from Hagar, this Egyptian slave. It's this amazing story. Yeah. And God promises her, no, 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 I see Ishmael. He's, he, I, this is what's going to happen with him, but I'm going to take care of him. Princes are going to come from him. He promises to bless Ishmael. Why? Just because he's from Abraham's loin. Yeah. So you don't yeah. think that Ishmael had some recollection of God? Yeah. So what we're seeing here is that God, I mean, my goodness, Melchizedek, mm -hmm. Melchizedek was not from Abraham's no. line at all. Well, and he was no. a high priest of God. In yeah. fact, Jesus is in his priesthood. Yeah. The priesthood is named after him, not That's Jesus. Right. That's right. That's You want to talk about uncomfortable for a yeah. second. Well, Mike, I told my class already, you're going to get really uncomfortable because we're going to study a lot of Old Testament stuff. That you like. Oh, in Hebrews, yeah. Absolutely. Anyway, let's get, let's get rolling here. So God is reaching out to all these other cultures. So it should not be surprising that we hear this. Look at verse 2 and 22. Now, Balak, son of Zippor, saw that all Israel had done to the Amorites, and Moab was terrified because there were so many people. Indeed, Moab was filled with dread because of the Israelites. And no doubt he's heard what's happened in Egypt. Sure. So he's... he's well, we know that, we know that uh, Rahab... Said, tells them when they come to when they finally come to come to Jericho. Absolutely, yeah. he tells them, we have seen y'all. We've heard about your God. We've, we've we we know, and we are trembling in fear because of you. They they the, their reputation has preceded them. Now, I mean, no disrespect to Rahab. But if some two-bit prostitute work in the street well, that's corner, not that's what she was. That's what she was. If some two-bit prostitute work in a street corner has heard of these people, you can bet your butt that <laughs> Balak, the king of Moab, knows who these people <laughs> yeah. are. Yeah. All right. Not to mention, by the way, he just took out a couple of Amorite kings yeah. that were kicking butt and taking names yeah. two seconds ago. These Israelites show up and yeah. wipe the floor wipe. with the guy. Yeah. You know, yeah. he's paying attention. Yeah. So the Moab said to the elders of Midian, hey. This horde is going to lick up everything around us as an ox licks up the grass of the field. So Balak, son of Zippor, who was king of Moab at that time, sent messengers to summon Balaam, son of Baor, who is at Pethor near the Euphrates River in his native land. Balak said, A people has come out of Egypt. They cover the face of the land and have settled next to me. Now come and put a curse on these people because they are too powerful for me. Perhaps then I will be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land. For I know that whoever you bless is blessed, and whoever you curse is cursed. Wow, that's, this guy's a powerful sorcerer. 
is, is the way Balak is looking at it. Mm -hmm. But let's see, who, who is the source of ba uh, Balaam's power? The elders of Moab and Midian left, taking with them the fee for divination. When they came to Balaam, they told him what Balak had said. Spend the night here, Balaam said to them, and I will report back to you with the answer the Lord gives me. Oh, there's, there's some things in your Bible. Is that L, capital L, capital O, capital R, yep. capital D? Okay. So he's using Yahweh, the covenant yeah. name of Israel yep. here. Yep. The covenant name of God. It's not some phony two-bit, two-foot high statue. This is God. No, he knows who he's talking to. <laughs> he knows exactly who he's who he he's been well talking aware. to him too. Yeah, he knows. He's he's very well aware. And that's interesting that he knows the covenant name. And I, I briefly mentioned this earlier, but there is archaeological evidence that the name of Yahweh as God predates what the Israelites would have known. We have this, like, for example, Jethro, who is a Midianite, who is a priest. He knows. Melchizedek, if you don't think the high priest in Jesus' priesthood, Melchizedek from Genesis, if you don't think he knew God by the name Yahweh. Well, the name says he did. So so we're talking about what, what do we need to understand? God has always desired all people. This is not groundbreaking. You know something else here. we need to understand? Is that we're really, 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 really good at putting God in a box that we're comfortable with. Absolutely. Paul says, and, and I love going back to this all the time because it's so true. Paul says in Acts 17, in the Areopagus, in the city of Athens, God set up their boundaries so they, talking about the nations, so they might seek him. In Romans chapter one, he says, the fact that we did not seek him, the nations, is what is, was, is our sin. Our sin isn't against the covenant of Sinai. We were never bound by the covenant of Sinai. That's not our covenant. What's our sin? That we knew there was a God, the nations, knew there was a God and they did not seek him and they worshiped other things. And he tells them, it's in Romans chapter one, that you you know that was a God because you could look around and see that it was a God. You More could than look at the and know that there was there. There's enough evidence to, to prove that it, there was a God. And instead, we worshiped ourselves. We well, worshiped instead, the what we did, beings. we made excuses for what we were seeing. We made That's what our society does today. You know, what are our scientists do today? Oh yeah, make oh, yeah. excuses. Oh, make excuses for what they're seeing instead of saying, "Well, maybe, you know, maybe there is a God." No, Absolutely. they have to find some scientific explanation for what they're seeing. And what's the heart of that? Why? Why do they do that? Because they don't want to be accountable. Well, that's true. I caught a I caught a video, uh, a little short video, on YouTube, where Neil deGrasse Tyson is doing this interview, and he's talking about how. There is excellent evidence to suggest that we are actually in a computer simulation. That we are that we are that we are in this computer simulation that some other advanced being created. And it, it's even possible that they're in a computer simulation because now we're creating people in computer simulations and we're doing this thing and, and it's super advised. And of course, and of course, this is uh, I'm watching Shapiro react to this, and he hits the nail on the head. That guy, he hits the nail on the head. Quite, I don't agree with everything he says, but I, but he did hit the nail on the Shapiro? head. Shapiro, Shapiro, yeah. He goes, he goes. Wow, it's weird. It's almost like there's a god, <laughs> you know. And it's and it's so true. These guys will come up with any explanation, and this and the explanation that Ty, that uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson is coming up with. Is essentially what he's saying there is there's plenty of evidence for a designer. Well, I've heard him say that, and and Christians are all sitting here going like, I, I've, I've I've heard that guy say that. We, and he's been making this claim for years. You know who that is? Uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson is a is a is a renowned astrophysicist. Renowned, you know, astrophysicist. smart smart guy, man. You know, and and he's a 
You know, you see him on YouTube all the time. You go, you go, the, uh, you just go punch in on YouTube, punch Tyson in. He'll come right up. So, it, yeah, it's like, duh. It's mm -hmm. like, yeah, there is in fact a designer who mm -hmm. is in fact calling all these people, who mm -hmm. is in fact doing all these things. And we shouldn't be shocked when the Bible presents to us other people groups that knew of God, worshiped God, and followed him. My goodness, we've already encountered a bunch. We've encountered Jethro. Yeah. We've encountered, yeah. encountered all these people. And I, I, I think... You know, the, what you're saying a while ago is about the covenant of Sinai. We're not part of it. No. You know, that, and, and that's hard for people to grab a hold of. We are beneficiaries of absolutely. it. Absolutely. That's absolutely true. Because the, the, the culmination of the covenant of Sinai is Jesus that's dying right. and coming out of the tomb. That was the whole point. That's the whole point. That was the whole and, point of it. <laughs> and, and if you look at all the things that happened all through Hebrews and you look at all the things that happened through the prophets, you know, it says in the first two verses of Hebrews chapter one, he says, God spoke to us in many ways and many times in various different ways, you know, through the prophets and through all. And, you know, we're going to look at that. We're going to camp on that when, when we get there ne the next time we study. So the end game of the, excuse me, the end game of the covenant at Sinai was Jesus. Mm -hmm. Now, are there lots of good things? Of course, whenever of course. God moves and does something, I, you can bet your butt there's going to be a lot of good stuff. Yeah. But the main end game, God's goal, was to get Jesus on the cross. What, what amazes me is about stuff like this and stuff like what we're talking about, stuff like free choice and all that stuff, is we're trying to make an argument from a human perspective. Mm. And that is that is laughable. It is. That is laughable because God has told us, if you want to know me, and this is only a, this only, that's it. That's, it's a scratching of the surface of who God is. Yeah. It just gives us an infinitesimal view of God. It gives us a people view of God. That's all it does. It doesn't open up the panoramic. That'll be when we get to heaven. Well, what God wants us to understand, mm -hmm. we can understand by reading and coming yeah. to his word. Well, let's see what he said. Let's see what so, happens. Here. So the elders go, they go to Balaam and Balaam says, let's send the night. I'm going to, I'm going to get, I'll report back to you with the answer the Lord gives me. So, so far, yeah. Balaam as a character that has been introduced, uh -huh. he's kind of an oddball. He's not a member of Israel, he, uh -huh. but he obviously knows who the Lord, Lord is. Mm -hmm. And he's known for being able to do, to do these curses and to do these things. And, and you know, has God helped him, given him power? Oh, I think absolutely. I, absolutely. Because to get him to this point? Yeah. Probably. Well, and when they say, like, you speak, Kurt, so what is he doing? Well, this is a prophet. Balaam is a prophet. Yeah. And we have we, we don't like that. But, guys, there are good prophets and there are bad prophets. There are prophets of false gods and there are prophets of real gods. Balaam is a prophet of God, but he is a bad prophet of God. And we're going to find out why. Well, yeah. Let's, let's keep going. So he he's so God came come to uh, came to Balaam. So the Moabite official stayed with him. He's Balaam said, "I'm going to talk yeah. to God." Now this is interesting because the text says in verse nine it says God. Now this is it doesn't say the Lord. No, it says God. Mm -hmm. What we need to understand is that word God. The, the word behind that God is Elohim, mm -hmm. and Elohim is a Hebrew word to talk about God or gods. So think about it from the perspective of these are spiritual powers. So is this Yahweh God who's come to him? It's quite possible. The translators obviously think that's what's going on, mm -hmm. that God himself is coming to them. Mm -hmm. And that could be the case. The other, the other thing that we could be looking at is these could be spiritual powers or authorities coming to Balaam as an intermediary between him and Yahweh God. So that's that's a possibility as well. And I just want to throw it out there. Explain. Like, 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 like angels? Yes. Okay. So now there's was... now usually when we're talking about a divine messenger, there's a different word in the Hebrew, mm -hmm. which is likely why the translators chose this word. Mm -hmm. But what I'm pointing out is just because the word says Elohim doesn't mean that it's necessarily talking about 
Yahweh God, right? Psalm 82 is infamous for this. Psalm 82, where he says, you know, the Lord, the uh, where he says, uh, God said to the gods, mm-hmm. you're going to die like mortal men. Mm-hmm. Why? Well, because God has a divine counsel. He has intermediaries that he works through. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is essentially, uh, the, the, this is essentially going to be the problem, is that God says, we see him in the sons of God. We see him in Genesis 6 with their rebellion, mm-hmm. right? God is going to put all of the his counsel over the nations and their job is to administrate the nations and lead them back to Yahweh and they don't do that instead they seek to be glorified as divine beings themselves yeah. and they are not god they yeah. should not accept worship and so this is a failing this is another rebellion of these spiritual well, beings let's, let's you know let's stay let's assume that god's come to him so the, those are the two different interpretations okay. you right. get from this passage and i want to bring it out because and when we get into Deuteronomy, we get later on, understanding the spiritual conflict is, is going to be a big deal. So yeah. okay. when we get there, I just want to lay it out here. However, God, and I'm, I'm going to go along with the interpreters here. I think they're probably right that I this is, so. is yeah. God. Uh, we'll see the angel of the Lord come later, right? So yeah, yeah it's kind of that'll come in a bit. So God came to Balaam and asked, who are these men with you? Balaam said to God, Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab, sent me this message. People that has come out of Egypt covers the face of the land. Now come and put a curse on them for me. Perhaps then I will be able to fight them and drive them away. Notice what he leaves out here. He doesn't say it's Israelites. He knows it's the Israelites. Yeah. He didn't say that. No. Why Why is he saying a people and not the Israelites? Why do you suppose he's doing You think he's trying to be a little sneaky here? I think he is. That's why I'm bringing I, it up. You know, I don't know. I mean. I think he's trying to pull a fast one. Um, he's trying to, he's trying to, uh, he's trying to not highlight the fact that the people I want to well, curse are the scumbag. Israelites. He is, yeah. He's, he's, and that's what scumbags do. That's what I did as a scumbag. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm not going to tell the whole truth. Tell, I'm going to tell just a little bit of the truth. Yeah, tell a little bit what light like, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's just doing what his nature is. But you he's know, just it's a scumbag. Just, it's, it's his people group. They've, yeah. they've come out of Egypt, you know. You know and, then, at, and then got... You're not, you're not going to con God. I don't care. Yeah, I can con you. You can con me. We can con everybody else, but you can't con, con God. You know, and the, you know, he said, God says, don't go with them. Yeah. Don't go with them. He said, you must not put a curse on these people because they are blessed. He said, I don't care what you call them. I know who these people are and they're blessed. That's so right. don't go out there with them. Don't put a curse on them. The next morning, Balaam said, got up said to Balaam's officials, go back to your own country for the Lord has refused to let me go with you. Refused. I can't go. Sorry. Yeah. Take your money with you and go. That's the right so, answer. Huh? That's the right answer. Yeah. By the way. yeah. So the Moabite officials returned to Balak and said, Balaam refused to come with us. Then Balak sent another, other officials, more numerous and more distinguished than the first. They came to Balaam and said, this is what Balak, son of Zippor, says. Do not let anything keep you from coming to me because I will reward you handsomely and do whatever you say. Come and put a curse on these people for me. But Balaam answered them, even if Balak gave me all the silver and gold in the palace, I could not do anything great or small to go beyond the command of the Lord my God. Wow. Now, if he stopped right there. Yeah. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Sounds pretty good. But it can't stop right there, though. Now, spend the night here so that I can go find out what else the Lord... What is it? What did God already tell him? Oh. What did God... <laughs> you know, isn't this what we do? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, God, I didn't really like that answer. Let me ask you again. Well, I... So... Having having experiences with people, you know, it's it's so funny. It's like people will say, "Well, like I don't know what God wants me to do," and I and what I'll tell them is, "Okay, I, I get that. You you've got a decision here. So this is what I would say: resolve yourself not to do go to the right or left. Resolve yourself not to make a choice at all. 
until God tells you what to do. Mm -hmm. And then pray on it until God makes it obvious. And make your prayer, God, make it obvious what I should do. And people run from that so fast because they want to make a decision and they want to make a decision right now. Mm -hmm. And what I tell people is wait for the Lord to speak. And then once the Lord tells you what to do, do that thing. Yeah. Don't doubt it. Do that thing. You know, make it clear. And look, God can speak to us any way he wants. Mm -hmm. If you think God doesn't want to speak to you today, why? So let me get this straight. He worked this hard to save you. He worked this hard to put his spirit in you. He worked this hard to do all these things, but now he doesn't want to talk to you. You're his kid, but he doesn't want to talk to you. You're his child, but he doesn't want to talk to you. You're his ambassador, but he doesn't want to talk to you. That's dumb. That's dumb. We get there because we don't like what people who claim to have heard God, we don't like the things they say. But my, well, We want to know how come God didn't communicate with me the same way he's communicating with them. And what I would say to that is, look, you can test what people say. People can come to you. Anybody can come to you and say, like like that, that only pants girl who said, well, God told me he wants me to take my clothes off in front of strangers. For yeah. Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah. You know, I mean, like John, this is why John says in first John, test the spirits. The one who acknowledges Jesus is Lord is come, has come from God. That doesn't mean just because this lady is saying, well, Jesus is Lord. And he told me to take my clothes off. That ain't a spirit from God, sweetheart. No. No, you have to you have to look at everything everything in totality. The spirit of God is not going to contradict himself. No. This is the spirit's sword. What he tells you is not going to con- contradict that. No. And how do you think we ought to test the spirit and what he says? Go line up with that. Well, you got to come back and look at this. Yeah. Because if the spirit That's why it's so important Cole, to know the book. That's why it's so important Absolutely. to spend time studying the book. That's why it's so important for what we're doing, trying to help you guys to understand this stuff. You know, if we get off track sometimes, Absolutely. it's because we're trying to get you to help you to understand the same dynamics that we understand that we've learned from so over me, the years. So let, let's get this straight to this to this crowd who would say, well, God doesn't speak to us today. Okay, let me get this straight. God's going to speak to this two-bit sorcerer mm-hmm. who doesn't even have his spirit dwelling in him. God's going to speak to him, but to me that has the Spirit of God dwelling in him, and to you, an elder of the Lord's church, the culmination of God's work over 2,000 years, he's not going to speak to us today. I'm going to challenge that thinking a little bit because it's bad thinking. Yeah. And I understand why we get there. Mm-hmm. I understand why we get there. The extravagance of others is why we get there. But I am not going to put God in a box and say he can't speak yeah. to me today. Now, anything that I think God is saying to me today, I'm going to run. I'm going to filter through his yeah. word. I'm going to do that because I want to make sure I want to be I want to be certain because guess what? What if that little voice in my head that's talking to me? What if that voice is me, not God? How am I going to know? Yeah. How am I going to know the difference for sure? I want to come filter it through the word. I want to come filter it through sound counsel. I'm going to ask the people around me. I'm going to put. And what, and what amazes me, Cole, is when, when people say, okay, I'll do that. I'll do, I'll do that. And then they won't listen to what you tell them. Well, and that's the other thing, right? So why does Balaam because go back? He's doing exactly what they do. He's, he's going to go to, he's going to go to God, but he's not going to listen to what he tells him. What God has said is not enough. Yeah. Balaam wants well, look the at money. What he said. That night, God came to Balaam and said, since these men have come to summon you, go with them, but do only what I tell you. So he said, okay, fine, go with them. If that's what you have to do, go with them. Because that's what you want. That's why you've come back the second time. Yeah, that's why you came back. Yeah, so you already have the them. answer. But you do what I tell you. Right. Only do what I tell you. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm going, you know, this is exactly the message I think that, would, that God would, would tell us many times. Okay, fine, but don't cross the line here. It's what we do with our children. Well, and he and he is crossing the line. And mm-hmm. the line he crossed was he went back the second time. Yeah. He already 
knew. He already knew. He already knew. He already knew. And so if you want to know, if you want to know everything about Balaam's character, this is enough. Yeah. God's already spoken. He's already told him what he wants. Yeah. And Balaam's, it's not good enough. Yeah. He sees yeah. the he sees the distinguished visitors. He sees the promise of riches. He sees what Jesus would describe in the parable of the sower as the concerns and worries of life choking the seed. Yeah. That's what's going on in, in Balaam's life. He sees what God, he knows who these people are. Yeah. But he wants the money. Yeah. Yeah. All and right. he's going to work towards that. And we're well, going to see. We're, we're going to we'll see. We'll pick it up here next week. We're also going to get to see how God can take the misdeeds of his followers and still turn them to good. What what amazes me with this story is he used, he used, a, he used an animal smarter than Balaam. You know? The donkey's smarter than he is, man. You know? <laughs> you know so. what, is, what does Paul say? That uh, the lust of money has made a shipwreck of many people's faith? Yeah. We, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, Adam? I know exactly what you're talking 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy? You know, next week we're going to get into the body of the Lord. So, you know, we've got this, some high-dollar high stuff, man, coming up. <laughs> All so right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for, for the opportunity we've had to study about this man. Uh, we thank you, Father, for the things that we're learning. I pray, Father, that, that it will, uh, it will uh, uh, challenge us as we deal with the, with people like this, as we deal with some of the things we have to deal with. But Father, help us to always focus on you. Always remember, Father, that you love us and you care for us. And even when we are not doing the things we should be doing, you still are there waiting for us to come to you and waiting to, waiting to forgive and waiting to love and cherish and, and bless us again. Thank you, Father, for that. Thank you for being that kind of God and that kind of Father. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.